Welcome to the Best Player Wins podcast, where we believe that winning is winning, no matter by how little or by how much. I am your host, Nate Endries, hosting the All-Star Break Edition Roundtable episode, just like we did last year, with Nick and Mike. Guys, welcome to the episode. Thanks. What's going on? So we're here again, just like we were last year. We're, we're doing it live, all in the same place. So if the audio sounds a little bit different, that is why. Uh, mentioned on last week's episode that it was our 39th fantasy baseball edition of the podcast. So this is episode 40 for fantasy baseball. It's episode 16 of this year. Of course, we're looking at week 15, the all-star break edition. Looking at last week, I went three and three, just had an okay week in the matchup predictions. Jake had the strongest week of the three of us. He went four and two. JC also went three and three. So just an okay week all around. But let's jump into the big takeaways from week 13. Guys, I'll go first. Uh, first of my two big takeaways is I figured out the real reason why Jordan is called the Dean. Mike, why, do you, why is Jordan called the Dean, do you think? The Dean? Yeah. I bet you any dollar he probably does the most studying out of all of us. Well, that's, that's my first guess. That's not why. It's because I schooled his ass. Even with Hader having the worst week of his career and putting up negative 30 points, even with Shane Bieber having his best start of the season by over 10 points with the complete game. And even while I was down late in the week, I talked my shit and I backed it up. And you know who stayed quiet during that time, actually? It was my son, Jordan. I think he learned a valuable lesson last week. Maybe I should be called the Dean. Mike, what's your first big takeaway? You know, what's funny is uh, I'll be the first to admit that since I'm definitely not competing this year, I've not really focused a whole lot in this league. I've been focusing on a different league, you know, new dynasty that, you know, Nate, you uh, joined up. My first biggest takeaway is between the guys that I'm here with now, Nick, Nate, and Sam, and everybody else is just playing catch up. I think those are definitely the three top dogs right now. They're going to say that big three top dogs and I don't see anything changing. I know that Jordan, you know, has been doing very well. Glad to see it. But for right now, just in terms of roster depth and just pure all-stars, it's those three and everybody else. That's my first big takeaway. Well, Jordan was doing well until he ran into a brick wall last week. <laughs> Man, I feel bad because Jordan's going to hear it because that was my big takeaway is that the West belongs to Nate. Uh, and I just had re- same thing that you uh, you said written down. Despite a complete game by Bieber and Hater giving up what he did, almost negative thirty points, he still spanked them by nearly forty points. And his team did really well. It's not a knock on his team, but it just wasn't even close at the end. Yeah, my second big takeaway, guys, like an old fashioned WWE bra, three of our sellers, Scott, Eddie, and Jerwin. They saw Jordan walking backstage, bloody and battered after taking that complete ass beating. And they decided to join in on the fun, each taking a median win for the week while Jordan dropped to a complete dud going 0-2 for the week. So my my big takeaways this week are all about my rival Jordan and uh, how he talked a big talk, but he couldn't walk that big walk, boys. Mike, what is your second big takeaway? My second big one is Scott is finally back. I mean, he's done three trades this whole week coming up. He's finally getting active a little bit. I know we're going to talk about some of the trades he did last week, but um, it's good to see, you know, because I've done a lot of leagues with him, and he, you know, you you boys have as well. And he is a good owner, and, you know, 
whatever the reason is, you know, he was a little bit silent, but I'm glad to see him back. I'm glad he's starting to make some moves and it's really cool. You know, I hope he continues to do it and keeps like maybe finding his five really good keepers that he wants to do, you know, heading into next year. You know, I didn't notice until just now when you mentioned Scott, he, he beat the median by 0.1 points and Jordan lost to the median by point. Point one, man, that's tough. I, I literally did. I didn't even know Jordan went on two until you said that. And I know Scott was the one on uh, edge of mountain until you mentioned and he's been doing pretty well, Mike. That's a good, uh, good highlight there. My other big takeaway is that despite my team having a stronghold on the number one spot in the standings all season, uh, I can, I can say that, you know, the East is wide open. Uh, I would even add Jake's team in there between Sam, Jake and I, I think it's going to be pretty, good showdown uh, in the playoffs once we get there. I'm looking forward to uh, seeing what happens. Although I'm, I'm, I believe that Scott actually served the head-to-head loss to Jake last week. Oh, so, really? Yeah, I believe he played Jake last week and ended up beating up on Jake too. I just paid attention to my matchup and you're in Jordan's. That's all I looked at. Pretty interesting stuff, head, you know, heading into the All-Star break. We actually – I was looking today. We only have three scoring periods left until the playoffs start. So they're creeping up on us fast. That's what I'm talking about, baby. Wild card race update. We got the NFTs in seventh place with a 13 and 15 record kind of falling pretty quickly. Eighth place, we got a, a newcomer for that second wild card spot. Eddie, team gone forever with a 10 and 18 record. Right behind him in ninth place, one spot out of the playoffs is Jerwin. Team positivity with a you know same record, 10 and 18. And then dropping from the second wild card, I believe it was last week. To now in 10th place, two spots out of the playoffs is Brendan Assen, the jackpot with a nine and 19 record. Mike, you alluded to it. Let's finally talk about it. Our trade segment of the podcast. It's all about Scott this week. First trade of the week, Scott gave up Ryan Presley and Carlos Correa. And my son, Jordan, gave up Jazz Chisholm Jr. Mike, you let us off with Scott's trade, so why don't you give us your opinion on this first deal that Scott made? Sure, sure, absolutely. Um, I do remember talking to you about this. I was kind of, I guess, confused on this trade. Um, I know Correa's got, what, like two rounds later that he can be kept on, or I believe something like that. He'll be a seventh rounder next year, I believe. Jazz will be a fourth fourth rounder. Right. And look, I mean, Jazz has definitely had a better year than he has last year, but again, like he's – I mean, he's hurt right now, and Correa, I just think, has that more pedigree to his name. I know he's been kind of – well, he's obviously not been the same Correa that he was with Houston. However, like, it's kind of like, okay, they're both equal in terms of, like, big question marks, but also, like, decent upside. So, on that note, I would definitely take the later rounds of that keep with Correa. Presley, you know, he's he's just not been the same – relief pitcher that it used to be so I don't know if he's just throw in so more or less I see it as Correa versus Jazz and again I'm just going to take those later rounds I want to take more pedigree with Correa I don't know if Scott plans on keeping Correa but well not anymore he traded him away <laughs> you mean Jazz oh excuse me yeah, yeah yeah Jazz but that's what I mean like Jazz is a fun player but I think his ceiling you're already going to see it right now yeah, I, I agree overall. I, I like Carlos Correa as a keeper better than Jazz Chisholm, but I'll say two things. One, Presley's actually bounced back in a big way since he came off the IL early in the season. He's actually a good closer this year. But two, speaking to your point, I do like Correa. I think at worst, they're 
equal to one another, and Correa is eligible to be kept three rounds later. But I will say from Scott's perspective, I feel like Jazz kind of fits the bill of like a Scott guy. Like Scott loves the young guys, right? And Jazz is by far the youngest and probably, you know, whether directly translates to fantasy or not, probably the most exciting player in this deal. So I think that it would have made sense for Scott to hold, but I'm not surprised that Scott kind of deals for a young, exciting player here. Nick, anything to add? Uh, I'll voice a little bit for Scott going for Jazz. I'm not a huge Jazz fan, but second base is a pretty shallow position. You have a few top dogs at that position, so trying to secure one guy that has a pretty high ceiling to do well and be one of those like top two or three guys in the second base position isn't a bad idea to kind of trade up and go for uh, grabbing him for next year. So I think it was not – I mean, yeah, you can label it as pre- pretty even. I like Jordan's side a little bit more, but – Uh, I think there's some logic to what Scott was trading for. Second trade of the week. I gave up Carlos Carrasco, Jesus Lizardo, and Andres Munoz. Scott gave up Miles Michaelis, Mackenzie Gore, and Aaron Ashby. I'll, I guess, lay out my thoughts first. I don't think that this was a a big-time upgrade for me, or I guess even nor for Scott. I was just kind of taking a shot in the dark here. Carlos Carrasco is eligible to be kept in the 12th round next year, Jesus Lizardo in the 9th round. Munoz was really just a throw in. Like I know Scott's taste. He likes the younger guys. He's not eligible to be kept, but I've seen Scott roster Munoz in other leagues that we play. So just kind of a throw in. And really the only player that I got from Scott that's doing well right now is Miles Michaelis. The the reason that I kind of targeted Mackenzie Gore and Aaron Ashby here was just their potential and more so for Gore than Ashby, but I do like the potential keeper value. I I mentioned earlier in the season that if Mackenzie Gore is able to pick up a bunch of appearances out of the bullpen and gain spark eligibility going into next year, I believe he'd be eligible as a 15th round keeper for three years moving forward. So I think that he could turn into something, although right now both him and Aaron Ashby are not pitching well. So that was just kind of my thought process with the deal. Nick, curious to hear your thoughts. No, I agree with yours. I like your side a little bit more. Um, I'm not sure if Scott's going to look to keep any of the guys he re- received on your uh, from your side. Mackenzie Gore, did you see he just pitched out the bullpen a day or two ago? He did, and he was not good, but I don't mind that. He picked up an appearance out of the bullpen, which yeah, is so, kind of what I'm looking for. Yeah, I mean, overall, I mean, the guys swapped. It's kind of a wash, in my opinion, for what's going on right now and the value that they give to you right now. But for the future, I like the potential on your side. Um, and yeah, Miles Michaelis is serviceable for sure. Mike, anything to add? No, no, hold on. I, I see this as you, Nate, kind of like, you know, being curious about Gore, being curious about Ashby, getting a few potential keepers. I don't know exactly how many like keepers you have currently right now, but it's always good to have too many keepers and none. So, mm-hmm. you know, I definitely see both sides of this whole trade for sure. <clears throat> The last trade of the week was a, probably the smallest one of the week. Sam gave up Andrew Vaughn. Scott gave him JT Real Muto. Uh, just quickly, my thoughts. Sam has been looking for a catcher all year, so I understand why he made this trade. But I actually think that Scott got the better end of this deal. Nick, I know you're not an Andrew Vaughn believer, but I do believe in his potential. And I kind of think that JT Real Muto is over the hump. I think that I don't want to call him completely washed because you don't have to do much to be relevant at catcher for fantasy but I think that he is just going to be an okay option, just maybe a step above anybody that you'd play from the waiver wire. So I actually do like Scott's return here relative to Sam's Mike, anything to share with this trade? 
Well, I just hope Andrew Vaughn actually stays on Scott's team because how many times has he been moved this season? Like, yeah, he's being tossed around. Yeah. Um, yeah. Like a bottle I mean, of crown. It is what it is. Um, I think Andrew Vaughn finally has a team that he's going to stay on until he's back in the keeper pool because I don't think Scott's going to keep him. And I haven't heard that from the source. So, Nick, what do you think? I think it's an even swap. It gives uh, Sam a set and forget guy, a catcher, not the best guy, but at least a guy he can just leave in there. He doesn't have to worry about playing the waiver wire and give Scott another option as a keeper. So there's your trade segment. Let's jump into the first of two main segments this week. It's going to be discussing some real life trade candidates and the impact that it will have on fantasy. We have five guys to talk about here. The first of which is a player from my team. It's Luis Castillo, who obviously currently pitches for the Reds in that terrible home ballpark, Great American Ballpark in Cincinnati. So with each of these guys, we're going to discuss what we think would be the best landing spot for them for fantasy, the worst landing spot for them, and then where we think that they'll actually get traded to. So for Luis Castillo, Mike, I'll let you kick us off just with the best landing spot. We'll each go around and share where we think the best spot for him to land would be. Yeah, so this is really tough. I've been thinking about this all day. And, you know, I, I want to say that there is exactly one team that is the best landing spot, but I think it's really just down to a tie. Like, it's really hard to determine this. So I've got the tie between the Dodgers and the Yankees, um, both high pedigree teams. And, you know, Castillo being on a shit team with the Reds for his whole career it'd be really nice for him to go to a top dog competitor. He doesn't have to be the true ace on that team. I mean, the Yankees, you know, they've got Garrett Cole, they've got Cortez. I know Severino right now has an issue. Like, what was his issue again? He is a lat strain. Lat strain. So I, I know that's the case, but Jordan Montgomery's been doing well. Talio, like, Castillo doesn't have to carry the whole load as being the true ace. Mm -hmm. So I think he has a good chance to thrive there. Same thing with the Dodgers. I mean, you have Clayton Kershaw. I know Bueller's out for a good amount of time, but you have Julio Urias. You have um, Tony Gonsolin. Tony Gonsolin um, Dustin May. Tyler Anderson. Back. You know, like he doesn't – that's a really good situation, and I think whatever team he goes to is very equal in terms of, like, where would the best place to be at. So I'm going to force you to pick one. Who's going to be better for him, Yankees, Yankees. or Dodgers? You're going to say the Yankees. Nick, what about you? I originally had the Yankees. I changed it to the Dodgers just because I think they're a better team. Uh, it's a coin flip to me. I have the Dodgers as the best landing spot for Luis Castillo. I actually am going to make a controversial take here and lead us off with the worst landing spot. And I think that it is the Yankees because Luis Castillo, uh, maybe it's due to his home ballpark. Great American ballpark is a very tough park to pitch in. But he's been prone to giving up home runs. And Yankees, they have a short porch for, you know, in Yankee Stadium. Obviously, the, the offensive support that he would get would improve, like, night and day. But for a pitcher that is prone to giving up home runs, like, if you remember Andrew Heaney pitched for the Yankees last year to the tune of, like, a six-plus ERA. And now look at him this year. I know he's been hurt, but look at him with the Dodgers. He's a potential breakout pitcher when he's been healthy. So I see a dichotomy for, you know, a pitcher that's prone to giving up fly balls. I think that the Dodgers would be a much better landing spot and that the Yankees could potentially be one of the worst landing spots. Of course, the worst landing spot of all is if he didn't get traded, yeah. he stayed with the Reds. Um, but I think we're assuming in this segment here that 
that he does get traded. Nick, where do you think the worst landing spot for Luis Castillo is? I actually put uh, the Boston Red Sox because I think they need some depth in their pitching staff, and they're two games back in the wild card, so getting a pitcher is not outside the realm of what they, they're probably looking to do. But I think as a team that they're just going to fall short of making that playoff run. So to get traded to a team that eventually doesn't make the, the playoffs and make a run into the postseason, I think would be pretty disappointing. So I put the Red Sox. Mike, what about you? Where's the worst landing spot for Luis Castillo? I would have to say the Minnesota Twins. Um, I, I do agree that, you know, if he stays with the Reds, that's obviously the clear to cut number one. Mm-hmm. But I would have to say the Twins, um, you know, Kent Maeda's out, Chris Archer's Bum, bum cheeks. Chris Paddock's out. Bundy's out too, right? Yeah, Bundy's still pitching. He's still he pitching, but he's just not Bundy's good. actually been doing actually, well. He's been doing okay. But he's only been pitching like so four So it's innings. between him and Joe Ryan. So it's pretty much the same situation. Sonny Gray. Sonny Gray. Sonny Gray. He's been up and down, though. Up and down, right. So you're, you're pretty much going to the same situation that you're already in in terms of like rotation you know you already have in Cincinnati Tyler Molly which we'll talk about here in a minute mm-hmm. Castillo so you're going into that twin situation between Joe Ryan and Castillo yes the twins have been very good Buxton's a very good player but I just I don't know man like I don't I think he needs to be the second or third guy for him to really thrive I know he's a really good ace but I think he needs somebody like a top five ace that he can like backtrack off of mm-hmm thrive a little bit, get comfortable, you know, let it rip because he's got all the talent in the world. And I think with Minnesota, you're pretty much expecting him to be the top dog, clear ace. And I don't know if that's really his rule that he needs to like go forward in his career. Mm-hmm. So as far as where we actually think he'll land, just keep it brief. I picked the Dodgers. I picked the Yankees. I picked the Yankees too. I will say I picked the Yankees because he just pitched in Yankee Stadium and kind of tore them up. Yeah. So right there is a little bit of an audition, and it was kind of talked about uh, in the Twitter Twitter world about that being a big showcase for him for the team, and he looked really good doing it. It was a, it was a pitching duel actually between uh, Luis Castillo and Nestor Cortez. It was a really good game. Uh, that was the only guy for my team in this segment. The interesting thing about this segment is we have five players and they're all on five different teams in our league. So the next guy is Frankie Montas. He's on Courtney's team in fantasy. Best landing spot for Frankie Montas. Uh, Nick, why don't you lead us off? I uh, did this for a lot of the pitchers. I uh, put the Dodgers for Frankie Montas. One, I believe that they are one of the two best teams in the MLB and it keeps them on the West Coast. He doesn't really have to transition to a different time shift and it'll be a good team to be on. That's a good point. I didn't really think of the the time zone jump. Mike, what do you got for best landing spot for Montas? I'm pretty much agreeing everything with uh what Nick just said. You know, Dodgers it just makes sense. You know, you're already in California. Time zone's already there. Um and I remember talking to you when I traded for him in that dynasty league. You immediately said, well he might be traded. And I'm like, well who do you think? Well the Dodgers and I'm like, oh my like as soon as you said that, it just made total sense. Like, I can totally see him being with Dodgers. You know, how many years in a row have the Dodgers made these big trades, especially for pitchers, you mm-hmm. know, like Trevor Bauer. I mean, also, you know, Trey Turner. Back then, Manny Machado. The- Scherzer. Scherzer. They did not well. get uh, Bauer through trade, but they got Scherzer, oh, Trey right, Turner, right. Manny Machado, all those guys through trade. That's the guy I think they're going to target. 
So I said that the best landing spot for Frankie Montas would be the St. Louis Cardinals, who have the best defense in baseball, and they're actually one of the best offenses in baseball as well. And it's in a really weak division. You got the Chicago Cubs who are trash this year. You got the Pittsburgh Pirates who are exciting, but overall, you know, stacking up with the rest of Major League Baseball, still pretty garbage. You got the Cincinnati Reds who are garbage. You really only have one other decent team in the division, the Milwaukee Brewers. So I think that um, with the best defense in the league behind him, with one of the worst divisions in baseball being his competition, I think that the Cardinals would be the best spot for Frankie Montas. Worst spot, Nick, I'm going to borrow your answer for, for Luis Castillo and say the Boston Red Sox. I'm just not excited about the thought of any pitcher going to Boston this year. For a similar reason that you mentioned for Luis Castillo, I just don't really think that their team is overall that good. And so I'm wanting, you know, for fantasy purposes, I'm wanting any starting pitcher that's traded to go to a team that's going to be one of the very best for the second half of the season. And I do not believe that is the Boston Red Sox. What do you got for Frankie Montas? I had to put the athletics. I know that's pretty much the scenario for all these guys, but I think it's pretty realistic, or at least more realistic for Frankie Montas than it is for the other guys just because of his situation with his arm and shoulder. Um, if anything were to go wrong in his next start or two, I, I can't see a team making a move for him, and that's pretty bad to just stick stick around there in Oakland. He's starting on Thursday against the Tigers, so hopefully that start goes well for his sake, for fantasy's sake, for uh, trade capital's sake. Mike, what do you got as Frankie Montas? I'm pretty much agreeing again with Nick here. I mean, you know, he's been hurt. Um, the Oakland A's are just a weird team. You know, they don't – do a whole lot of moves. I, I know they've done moves, but I don't know. It seems like they still like, you know, obviously they're in rebuilding phase, but it looks like that they want him to be still the face of that franchise. So I think that would definitely be the worst case scenario. Where he'll actually land. I have the St. Louis Cardinals. What do you got, Mike? I have the Dodgers. I think they're going to pull the trigger. I put the Toronto Blue Jays. That's interesting. I did uh, because it helps them for this year. I don't think that they're going to be one of the teams this year, but it will also give them time to get healthy for next year, and then that gives them, gives them Montas, Gosman, Barrios. Yanjin Ryu is basically on his way out. Yeah, um, They need another like third top arm, and I think that's a pretty good landing spot for him and makes sense. So I just put Toronto Blue Jays, change it up a little bit. They traded Austin Martin and Simeon Woods Richardson to get Barrios last year. I'm guessing to get Montas, they'd probably have to move like Aralvis Martinez. Just taking a guess. But, yeah, that's an interesting choice. They could do that with Espinal stepping up as a middle infielder and they already Mm -hmm. have Bichette. Um, So where is Martinez going to go in their organization? I don't know. I mean, I'm sure they can find a spot if they keep him. Third trade candidate, your catcher, Nick, Wilson Contreras. Oh, man. So best landing spot for him, I think it's pretty obvious. I have the Houston Astros. Uh, they currently are – they have Martin Maldonado being run out there as, as their, you know, most days catcher. But I think if you put Wilson Contreras, it's already bolst- – it's bolstering an already great offense with Kyle Tucker, Jordan Alvarez, Jose Altuve. I know he's having a down year, but Alex Bregman, I don't know. Maybe he's been rebounding lately. I haven't – I don't have any Alex Bregman, so I haven't paid too close of attention. Michael Brantley, who's currently on the injured list, but he's always good when he's healthy. I just think that this would be the best landing spot for him in fantasy. Um, Don't know that they'll actually trade for him, though. I've heard that they're pretty comfortable with Martin Maldonado, so we will see. But 
Nick, where do you have as the best landing spot for Wilson Contreras? I'm going to highlight another team that you mentioned before. I'm going to say the St. Louis Cardinals. You have Yadier Molina's on his way out. I'm not sure who the other catchers are. It's a great offense, great team that's going to make a playoff push. I think it'd be exciting for him and good for fantasy for Wilson Contreras to go to the St. Louis Cardinals. Do you think that the Cubs would have any hesitation trading him to a division rocket? Yeah, I think they would. And that's why I actually didn't put the St. Louis Cardinals for where he'll actually land. Mike, what about you? What's what's Wilson Contreras' best landing spot for fantasy? I uh, agree with you with uh, Houston Astros. Um, I remember a few weeks ago, I was driving through uh, Virginia, you know, uh, do show prep with clients and everything that want to do bodybuilding shows. So I had to kill the time, whatever. Um, I don't know if you guys listen to this one podcaster's name is uh, Giraffe Neck Mark or whatever. Um, yeah, he's really good. Really interesting. He fun to uh, listen to. But um, he was talking about likely trade candidates, and he said that he really wants to see Contreras uh, traded to Houston. And I looked more into it, and I saw that they don't really have a, a real, like, true time catcher. That'd be really good, like fit for him in that offense. So, pretty much going off of that, like I think that'd be a really good landing spot for him. You think that guy's heard of our podcast? (laughs) Worst landing spot, I have the San Francisco Giants, who themselves do not really have a standout catcher. I know they have Joey Bart, who's a young guy they drafted, I think second overall or third overall, and a couple years ago, one of the recent drafts, 2018, maybe 2019. But You know, he's not a standout, definitely not offensively. I don't even believe he's a standout defensively in the majors yet at this point. So I think that Wilson Contreras could be a potential fit for them, but their ballpark is not great for hitters. I know that their offense is kind of sneaky good, like under the radar. They don't really have any fantasy stars, but as a team that they're pretty good. But I still don't really love the idea of Wilson Contreras landing in that lineup. So for me, the Giants would be the worst landing spot for Wilson Contreras. What about you, Mike? That's really tough. I mean, unless you're, you know, obviously the catching position is so weak right now. I mean, he's obviously not going to go to Toronto. He's not going to go to Washington with the Ruiz and obviously Washington rebuilding and whatnot. Um, I would still, you know, I'm I'm, I'm going to, Piggyback off of what you just said, I was thinking about it more. And, you know, the Giants, they just don't scream to me anything exciting. And they're more defensive heavy. And he's a very good offensive catcher. So I really can't give a true opinion on that. Um, you know what? No, I changed my mind. I'm going with the Yankees because they messed up Gary Sanchez. So don't go to the Yankees. Interesting. Okay. I would like them to go to the Yeah, I was going to say, that'd be a good spot, I think. I said the Miami Marlins because they're a team that can afford to give up arms for more offense because their offense isn't all that good, and the Cubs can't develop arms. They need more arms. But I just don't get excited when I think about the Miami Marlins. So I think it's a potential realistic landing spot, but it's not one I think is a good fit for fantasy purposes, Wilson Contreras. And you might think, like, why would they trade for him? And, well, I mentioned that they need offense, and two – they are five and a half games behind the NLR wild card, but that's only like the second team out from the wild card. So it's semi-realistic for them to make a run if they if that's in their aspirations to do so. I just hope I hope they're not the team that goes after him. Yeah, I don't think Contreras is going to be enough for them to get that wild card spot. He is on an expiring contract, so he would be cheap. 
So I guess you can look at it from that perspective. A team that wants to make a push wouldn't have to give up much to get him. But then again, if you don't make the playoffs, it's completely a waste because he's a free agent. So where we think he'll actually land? I said the Tampa Bay Rays. I said the Tampa Bay Rays. Interesting. What about you, Mike? I think he's going to stay in Chicago. Um, They're just going to let his contract expire and take the pick? You just said it. His contract's going to be cheap. Cubs have money. They're a very young team. He's still only 30. And I think they're going to want a role model and a leader. And it's like a catcher is just not a high demand trade position. It's just truthfully not, in my opinion. I know he's had a phenomenal year this year. So you think they'll extend him? Yes. Okay. For cheap and be a role. I don't think he'll be cheap relative to catchers. I mean, he'll be cheap relative to like the crazy contracts we've seen, but he's not going to be a cheap catcher. We'll see. We'll see where he ends up. Fourth player is Tyler Malley, who's on JC's team. This is going to sound like a broken record, but best landing spot for me for Tyler Malley is, is the Los Angeles Dodgers. And I don't feel like I need to elaborate because we've covered it at length. Nick, what do you got for Tyler Malley's best landing spot? I actually wanted to change it up and not put the Dodgers for one of the pitchers. So for Tyler Malley, I put the New York Mets to stay on the East Coast to piggyback off of DeGrom and Scherzer. Malley just go out there, do his job, help him continue to win. I think that's a great landing spot for him. Mike, what do you got for Tyler Malley? Best landing spot for fantasy. Nick, how many times have I agreed so far? I don't know. That, that third or fourth time. I, I agree. I think the Mets, you know, you can't you can't trust the girl to stay healthy all year. I know he's coming up. I know he's doing rehab. I know he's picking it up. Scherzer's a dog. Bassett's been pretty solid. Carrasco. Carrasco. You can't trust him to be healthy either. Exactly. So I Tyler think Tyler is out would be a good solid three or four option. And if he's your fifth option, that's a damn good fifth option right there. Yeah, I agree. You know, and I know they've been in talks with Castillo. So they're obviously in talks of getting a pitcher in general. So from the Reds specifically. Right. (laughs) Worst landing spot for Tyler Malley. I have the Red Sox. I already mentioned, I do not like them as a spot to, uh, you know, for a starting pitcher to land. What about you, Mike? I guess I would agree with that too. You know, Chris Sale, you know, he's definitely not healthy. Um, Nick not, anymore. Huh? <laughs> not anymore. Not anymore. No. Um, Nick Pavetta, he's, you know, RA. So Molly's pretty much coming into that situation being like number one ace. Have we ever even seen him being like that before? Yeah, it'd be pretty close between him and Nate Evaldi. Yeah. Those two would definitely be duking it out for staff ace. What about you, Nick? Worst landing spot. Again, I wanted to change it up. This team is kind of in contention being six and a half games out from wild card, and they need another top dog. Not another. They don't even have any top pitchers, but they need a good pitcher on their staff. Worst landing spot. I could see maybe making a move for him as the Colorado Rockies. Interesting. Whoa. Yeah. I don't I don't think that they're going to be buying at all, but that'll, that would be. Again, I just want to change it up. Sure. They are six and a half games back. Well, any pitcher going to Colorado. Yeah, that'd be a loss. Right. So that's fantasy. just like blanket the worst landing <laughs> spot for any pitcher. But I mean, who do they have? Herman Marquez, Chad Cool, Kyle Freeland. Kyle Freeland. Like Austin they need Gumbert. to get some sort of decent pitcher on their staff eventually. Yeah, eventually. I'm not saying what they're going to do. I just. Uh, it's semi-realistic, and that would be the worst landing spot. Where Tyler Malley will actually land, I have the same spot that you guys said would would be his best-case scenario. I have the New York Mets. There you go. 
I wanted to say the Minnesota Twins, but it's pretty blah. So I actually put Tyler Malley as the guy that the Dodgers land. So I put him going to LA. I have him with the Mets, honestly. Yeah. So interesting thing about Castillo, Montas, and Malley, which are the three pitchers that we're discussing tonight. I mentioned, I think I mentioned on the podcast, if not to multiple people in our league. Maybe two months ago, I said that I think that the Dodgers are going to end up getting two of Luis Castillo, Tyler Malley, and Frankie Montas. I am certain that they'll get at least one of these three guys, so that's why in this segment I only picked them to actually get one of the three guys, and I picked it to be Luis Castillo, but would not be surprised if they landed two of these guys, but I think definitely one of them, and I, you know, it's anybody's guess as to who it would be. The last guy that we're going to be discussing for this trade candidate segment is Josh Bell, who's on an expiring contract for the Nationals, who are in the phase of rebuilding. Best landing spot, Nick, we'll go to you first. Boston Red Sox. I think they're in need of first base. Uh, he's a first baseman. He's doing great, having a career year. I think he'd do well and help him out. What about you, Mike? Dude, I got to agree with you again. That's exactly what I'm thinking. Like, Who's on the expiring contract, Bogarts? They have J.D. Martinez, Martinez. Xander Bogarts, and Nate Valdi coming off the books this year. Right. Evening. So, you know, you can you know, trade for him, sign him. He's your plug-and-play guy. He'll be your leader. He'll be your role player for these young players coming up on that offense. You know, Marcelo Mayer, which will be still years away, but Tristan Casas, like all of these guys, like he's going to be now that role player and – I think that gives you right now, I, I, in my opinion, the best infield in baseball. What would it be? Josh Bell, Story, Bogarts, and Devers. Well, Bogarts would be leaving in free agency. But right, if you're talking, talking about, about for this, this year, year exactly. Yes. Yeah. yeah, yeah. That, that's a heavy offense right there. So obviously, Agreed. pitching's shit. So get your <laughs> offense elite, and that's the way to do it. I have the best landing spot for Josh Bell being the New York Mets. I think that he could slot in and share DH duties and first base duties with Pete Alonzo, just be another middle of the order bat for them. Uh, not really much to elaborate on there. I think the New York Mets would be a good landing spot for him. Worst landing spot. This is a, is a different pick for me, but I think it's the Cleveland guardians who I think a lot of people in the industry have mentioned, they're going to be a surprising team that will be buyers at the deadline, not because it's obvious that they're going to make a playoff push, but I've read a lot of articles about how they have basically way too many guys, um, not enough spots on their 40-man roster, but enough guys that are very close and major league ready, so they're going to basically have a surplus to deal from. And I think that Josh Bell is the type of player that they could deal for to help them with a playoff push, and then maybe even sign him, like Mike suggested that the Red Sox could do. So worst landing spot for me. I don't think that their offensive lineup is there yet, you know, to call it a good landing spot for Josh Bell. So I have the Cleveland Guardians. What about you, Mike? I have the Houston Astros. Um, do I think he's better than Yuli Gurriel? Absolutely, I do. But it, it looks like that Yuli is that like that one player on that team that they just continue to keep, even though he's old as dirt. It'd be a massive upgrade, but I feel like it'd be a split time. And like you mentioned with the DH, I mean, Gordon's not out-out. He's, you know, he's going to come back relatively soon. So uh, he's clearly the DH. So it's, it's kind of leaving that middle ground between Josh Bell and Yuli. I feel like Houston is still very just loyal to Yuli. So that's just my opinion. I think that would be the worst part. 
And then where he will actually land, I, again, went with a very different answer for this. And I said the hottest team in baseball, the Seattle Mariners, are going to trade for Josh Bell. I know that they traded for Carlos Santana, and he's doing well right now. But, again, just like Yuli Gurriel, he's old as dirt. And if I'm the Mariners and I'm wanting to earn, you know, make the playoffs this year, I'd rather have Josh Bell as my reliable everyday first baseman over Carlos Santana. What about you, Nick? I put where he'll actually land is the Boston Red Sox. And I didn't answer the worst landing spot, but I shared that it could be uh, the Guardians, but I also put the Marlins for similar reasons that Contreras. It's not a great offense to be on, but they need offense. But yeah, where he'll actually land, I said the Red Sox. So there you have it. Oh, hold on. <laughs> oh, you have, I'm sorry, Mike. Go ahead. I think he's going to Tampa Bay. Tampa Bay. There you go. Because, uh, you know, Tampa Bay seems to pick up pretty much everybody. The Pirates just like to trade away. Josh Powell used to be a former Pirate, really good Pirate at the time. And they just seem to just take every good Pirate away from everybody. So I think he's going to go to Tampa Bay. Nice. Now there you have it for our trade candidate segment. I mentioned we're doing two main segments this week. The next segment that we're going to be doing is a fantasy all-stars draft. It's going to take a while. This is going to take a little bit of time, but we're going to do a snake style draft, just like we did last week for the keeper draft. The order is going to be Mike, Nick, and then me. And then of course, snaking in the even rounds. And the rule is the only rule is that we're going to have 24 players selected. We're going to fill out a fantasy lineup for our league settings. And then we're going to have six guys on the bench. You can only select two players per fantasy team in our league. That way it's not stacked up with a bunch of players from just one or two or three teams. So, Mike, those are the rules. Wait, before we get started, I might need two beers. You might have to double fist <laughs> yeah. for this segment. Yeah, this is no good. I don't need one. This might take a little bit of time. Mike, you're up with the first pick. Who are you selecting from what team? And, of course, you know we're going to know who they are, but what position are you filling out in the roster, in the lineup? with their selection yeah so everybody's probably gonna think i'm picking offense but oh i'm picking the top guy right now it's been the top guy for the past 30 days top fantasy guy right now i'm picking sandy alcantara he's my number one pick one off of nate's team that is one gone for my team the staff ace of the fantasy all-star team sandy alcantara nick you are on the clock you only have – you could pick from any team, but if you choose from my team, then my team will be completely closed mm. off. That is tempting to close off your team. But I am going to pick the guy that should have been the number one overall pick in this draft. Amy should have been the number one overall pick in our main league draft, and that is Juan Soto. Juan Soto, who is a right fielder from Sam's team. Is he from Sam's team or is he from Jake's team? He is from Sam's team. Nope. I'm sorry. No, no, no. You're right. He's from Jake's team. Sam I should have taken him. Yeah, that's no. that's why I got confused. Actually, up until this point, about... I think it's kind of benefited Sam to take Garrett Cole. Is that right? Yes. Yeah, Garrett, it has did. benefited Sam up to this point, so it wasn't a bad move. I just think Soto should have been number one overall, and so that's why I'm taking him at number two in this draft. So, obviously, this is going to be – we're kind of flying off the cuff here, just playing off of each other's – we're playing, we're playing off of each other's picks here, so I'm going to go a different route and try to knock out the tough choices first. And I'm looking at Eddie's roster right now, and I'm taking Corey Seager at shortstop <laughs> to, uh, to put one up from Eddie's team into the lineup here. And I guess I'm up again. So let's go to a different tough team here. No, go back to his team. 
No, I want to make you guys select some tough picks here. So I'm going to jump over to Scott's team here. Oh, you suck. I know what you're doing. <laughs> we have, again, a right fielder already in Juan Soto. So I'm going to take the center fielder, the man, the guy that's going to be playing in the home run derby tonight, Julio Rodriguez. Make the bet that he – JC, make the bet that he is – well, it's going to – you're going to listen to this after. JC, I hope you place the bet that he's going to win home run derby. You think he's going to win, Mike? I'm placing five dollars. <laughs> Nick, you're back up with your second pick, and again, all teams are open. Yeah, no, I like that strategy. I'm going to use it, and I'm going to go against a team that thinks he's a giant slayer against my team specifically, and I'm going to take his best player. That's Jerwin's team. I agree with many that have been on this podcast before. I don't think Jerwin's team is that good. Actually, I think it's pretty bad, but I think he has – one true stud, not named Jacob DeGrom. I just think there's too many question marks to take him just right yet. Um, but Dylan Cease has been the number one overall fantasy player over the past 30 days. And uh, I like him a lot. I think he has great upside. I'm taking Dylan Cease right here. Mike, that means you are back up for two picks. Yep, I'm closing my team off. I'm going Austin Riley, third base, Shohei Otani, utility. Interesting. You're double tapping your own team, huh? Wow. Nice. That means you're back up, Nick. Yeah, I didn't get a chance to look what I want to do <laughs> next. So that means that we are on the eighth overall pick. Cool. I'll take a guy from my team. I will take Trey Turner. Second base, Trey Turner. Interesting. That's going to be – this is making it tough. This is making it tough. But, again, I'm a man of the people. I'm looking out for the best interest of this overall team that we're putting together. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to draft the first closer to start up our bullpen, and I'm going to do it from a team that doesn't have too many quality options left. I'm taking Daniel Bard from Jerwin's team. That closes Jerwin's team off. That well, does close Jerwin's team off. Wait, are we saying that we need to take two people from each team? Correct. Okay, so it doesn't close his team off. It does. Dylan Cease and Daniel Bard. Right, because you got to think if there's 12. Wait, I thought we had to take two people from each team ourselves. No, oh. we're doing it together. Okay. We're doing it Are together. Are we going to be able to fill out this whole roster? Yeah. Each of us? No, we're, we're doing no it idea. all together. We're all putting together one team. Oh, I had no idea that was the case. We're all finding this out together live on the podcast. <laughs> I thought we were each making our own team. No, we're making one team together. That is the challenge oh, yeah. of this. Oh, cool. Yeah, we're going to compare each other's teams at the end. No. No, we're, we're all making, we're making one, one team. We're all making oh, one team together. That's what I was saying. Oh, they changed it up. Which means that I'm actually going to help us out again as a group. We're the goal is to put the fair best enough, team together enough. as a group. <laughs> So I'm going to go to JC's team next, and I'm going to take the guy that has surprised everybody this year, Martin Perez, as the second option in the bullpen for our fantasy all-stars team, which means, Nick, you're back up. The only team that's closed off is Jerwin, and again, the open spots that we have in the lineup are catcher, first base, left field, three starting pitchers, two relievers, and then, of course, six bench spots. Where are we playing the tree turn? Second base. Second base. So short still up. Nope. Well, I took Corey Seager. That's right. Anybody from your team get selected yet? My team. Yeah, your Sandy team. Sandy Alcantara was selected first overall. Mm. You know, I'm going to go 
from Jordan's team and select Raphael Devers. So I guess he's going to be the first bench player. Do we not have a third? Do we have a third? Austin Riley. I'm like double tap. Well, that's when we thought that we're on, that we're drafting our own teams. Dang it. I don't want to select Raphael Devers then. Okay. Well then don't, don't select Devers. All right. Everything got twisted and turned here. Again, set catcher, first base, left field, and then you can take any pitchers. <laughs> That's the challenge of it. We're putting a team together together. All right. I'll take from your team, Nate. I'll take Alejandro Kirk. Alejandro Kirk. That's a good pick, and that means that my team is closed off. Ooh. Mike, you're up for two picks, and here are the open positions besides the bench. First base, left field, starting pitcher, relief pitcher. The only two teams closed off are Jerwin and my team, also your team, I guess. Shane McClanahan. Shane McClanahan, that great is a pick. great pick. And I believe – closed. Who's the first guy from your team, Nick? Trey Turner. Trey Turner, who I did not type in your name next to. But that means that Nick's team is closed off. Mike, you're up for a second pick here. Ooh, okay. Freddie Friedman. That's a great pick. And that's off of Jordan's team, which means that his team is also closed, correct? No, I don't think so. Oh, wait, you, you were going to pick Devers. Yeah. And then you didn't. So Jordan's team is still open. Nick, you're back up. Left field is open. Starting pitcher, also relief pitcher, and then we have bench. Okay. Uh, let's go. Hey, your team's still open? It is not. It's not. How long is Kirk and Sandy Alcantara? Okay, is Sam's team still open? It is. All right. Oh, you're going to do it. Put him in the reserve. No, take no. another pitcher. Easy. Cool. Yeah, easy Ooh. pitcher selection. So that makes Sam, I guess we've only selected one player from his team so far, right? So you're about to go back to the well? I am about to go back to the well for Sam. Although we do still need a left fielder. Let me, I know that I'm definitely taking a pitcher here, but I want to evaluate my options. Actually, we haven't gone to Brendan's team. So I know exactly who I'm going to take at left field. And it's going to be Jordan Alvarez. Jordan Alvarez is going to be the pick for left field, which means that we have one starting pitcher spot left to fill, one relief pitching spot left left to fill. And I just want to go through the list of teams here and make sure that everybody's had some shine. So Brendan is represented. I'm represented. There's Nick one team is represented. And I, and I got her. Courtney, okay. So you're going to take from her team. Yeah. I'm going to go back to Sam's team and close him off because his rotation is insane. How do you pick? From Corbin Burns, Max Scherzer, and Brandon Woodruff. The question is, I don't know, but I would personally take Max Scherzer 10 times out of 10. So we're going to close Sam's team off, and Max Scherzer is going to round out our rotation. Okay. I missed a few. So who are the other two pitchers? So here's our team so far. We have at catcher Alejandro Kirk from my team. First base, we have Freddie Freeman from Jordan's team. Second base, we have Trey Turner from Nick's team. Third base, Austin Riley from Mike's team. Shortstop, Corey Seager, who's competing in the Derby tonight from Eddie's team. 
Left field, we have Jordan Alvarez from Brendan's team. Julio Rodriguez is our center fielder from Scott's team. Juan Soto is our right fielder from Jake's team. Mike, yours is the first team to be closed off with Shohei Otani at utility. Sandy Alcantara is our staff ace, so that means my team is closed off. Dylan Cease is our SP2. That is from Jerwin's team. Shane McClanahan is our SP3. That means Nick's team is closed off. Then rounding out the starting pitching rotation, we got Garrett Cole and Max Scherzer from Sam's team. So his team is closed off. The first reliever in our bullpen is Daniel Bard, which means that Jerwin's team is closed off. Martin Perez is our second reliever. So here are the open teams right now. We got Jordan. We got Eddie. Brendan, Scott, Jake, Courtney. I believe those are our six teams that still have an open spot. I might have been missing. Oh, so JC, JC as well. So we need like what? One more relief pitcher and then bench? Two relief pitchers Two. and then bench. Who's our fifth pitcher? Max Scherzer. So we have Scherzer, Alcantara, Cole, Cease, and who? Oh, my man. Shane McClanahan. Yeah. So, Nick, you are back up. You are picking for either the two open relief pitcher spots or nope. one of the six bench spots. I am going to do a six bench spot. I want the first one. I'm going to take one from Courtney's team. I'm going to go ahead and select Aaron Judge. Good pick. Yep. So you can uh, kind of play the matchups with Aaron Judge and Julio Rodriguez. I like that pick a lot. Mike, we're back up to you for two picks in a row. Ooh. All right. So that was the first. Pick from Cornyard, right? That's yep. correct. Francisco Lindor. He's going to be our second bench player. That means that Courtney's team is closed off. And Nick, you are back up. Four bench spots open, two relief pitcher spots open. Brendan's team is still open. He is still open. Still open. Let's go ahead, take a visit to Ass in the Jackpot. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Probably should get some more pitching. It's always good to have pitching, and we should, definitely, we should definitely take Joe Musgrove. Yes. Joe oh, Musgrove. Uh, yeah. I'm going to take him over my boy. Who's your boy? Framber Valdez. No. I do love Framber Valdez. But Who's is he at Framber? I thought Jake Oh, did. no. He did trade him to Jake. Carlos Rodon. Carlos Rodon. Yeah. But I'll give the nod to uh, Joe Musgrove. So Brendan's team is closed off. That brings it back to me for two picks. And the open teams are JC, Scott, Jordan, Jake. I know that there's probably one more out there, but I'm forgetting off the top of my head. So I'm going to go ahead and look for those teams, see what they've got going on at the relief pitcher spot. Because we do need to draft some relievers. I've been the only one to do it so far. It's a tough scene out here. Jake does not have what I'm looking for. Let's jump over to JC. We should have taken some relievers to my team. I, I know who I'm going to take to close off JC's team. We're going to go with Garrett Whitlock Dude. for our bullpen. Our bullpen's not very good. No, it sucks. Well, <laughs> the problem is that good teams that have already been closed off have some of the best bullpen options. So Garrett Whitlock is going to be our third reliever. That closes off JC's team. Let's jump over to Jordan's team and see what we got going on in the pen. I'm going to make life easy on you guys and not have you guys don't have to draft a single relief pitcher. Thank you. For Jordan's team, we're going to go with Clay Holmes to close out our bullpen. 
Yankees closer who has dominated this year and actually very underrated, but Jorge Lopez has been really good this year as well. But we're going to go with Clay Holmes. That means that our starting lineup is filled out. Nick, you're back on the clock. And then Mike is up to, I believe, fill out our final two picks. No, I think I'm up and then Nick's closing. No, I'm up. I'm in the middle. Oh, that's right. And I'm going to give us at least another option on the bench for third base from Scott's team. I'm going to go ahead and pick Bobby Witt Jr. Bobby Witt Jr. So we have still Courtney's team open. I'm sorry. We don't have Courtney's team open. We have. Apologize for the listeners. This is pretty off the cuff. This is off the cuff. We have Eddie's team open and Jake's team. So you have to select one player from each of their teams to round out our fantasy all-star team. Now on our bench right now, we have three bats and one pitcher. So if you want to go. You said Jake's team is tough. There's two guys. He at least has some all-stars on our team. Eddie doesn't have a single all-star in his roster. We have one you don't know who you're going to pick for a bench spot we on have, Jake's team? We have two more, right? One pitcher and three bats. Oh, my gosh. There's a plethora of guys to choose from Jake's team. I'm going with the fine wine. Verlander. Justin Verlander. It's a good pick. It was a good pick. I can't believe we picked Vlad, though. I was looking at him. I just like him. But Verlander is definitely – it's probably the right choice. And then Mike, from Eddie's team, who's rounding us out for our fantasy all-star lineup? That's <laughs> oh. Um Fuck it, man. He's been on fire. Whoa, watch the language. Sorry, excuse me. <laughs> He's been on fire, and I regret trading him so much to you. I think he's a very good utility guy. DJ LeMahieu. DJ LeMahieu. That's Dude, who I wanted I'm to shocked. take from his team as well. That's who you wanted to pick? He's Originally, when I was looking at his team for Matt the first Olsen? Thing, No, I'd take DJ LeMahieu. Easy. No way. Easy. I'd take DJ LeMahieu with that triple fire. eligibility. I regret trading that so bad. All right, so here's here is our fantasy all-stars lineup. Edmund actually has a sub 700 OPS, I believe. So he's been pretty bad. In the man. So here's our fantasy all-stars lineup. Apologies for being all over the place. Obviously, this was off the cuff. We had a little confusion of what the criteria of the segment were. Oh, it's going to blow up the chat. This is what we ended up with for a team. Let us know if this is an all-star studded lineup. Catcher, we have Alejandro Kirk. First base, Freddie Freeman. Second base, Trey Turner. Third base, Austin Riley. Shortstop, Corey Seager. Left field, Jordan Alvarez. Center field, our first pick was Julio Rodriguez, but I'm going to go ahead and say Aaron Judge gets slotted into the starting lineup here. Right field, we got Juan Soto. Utility, we have Shohei Otani. And then for our rotation, our staff ace is Sandy Alcantara. I'm going to go ahead and read these off in order of what I believe their skill to be. Our, our SP2 is going to be Shane McClanahan. SP three and four, you could really flip a coin as to who, which one of these guys is better, but Garrett Cole and Max Scherzer. And then our SP five is, is really between Justin Verlander and Dylan Cease. Um, so whichever one you don't you know, like. Put some respect on Dylan Cease's name. 
Dylan Cease is good. I like Dylan no, Cease. No, you're right. Verlander's been a stud. Verlander's too. a stud too. He could be Cease's dad. Our bullpen is obviously the glaring weakness of the Very, team if there was so one. Bad. It's not good. I mean, it's it's fine. We got Daniel Bard, Martin Perez. That's a Cy Young candidate right there, Martin Perez. Garrett Whitlock and Clay Holmes. That's obviously the weakest part of the team, but I think that those are all guys that have surprised this year. I think that's probably the theme of the bullpen. Except for Whitlock. For the bench, I've already mentioned two guys, uh, Aaron Judge, who I slotted up in the starting lineup, the other guy being Julio Rodriguez, and then Justin Verlander, who would be competing with Dylan Cease. But the other guys on the bench are Joe Musgrove, Francisco Lindor, Bobby Witt Jr., and DJ LeMahieu. So those are your fantasy all-stars, two from each team. Let us know how we did. I know it was all over the place, but again, final product, give us a rating out of 10. The biggest snub by far. Jose Ramirez. Yeah, I mean, that's what happens when you have a team with a lot of good players. You can only choose so many of them. That's yeah. what I meant when yeah, I said – pick Austin Riley. He's been on fire ever since he has been on he my has team. Been. He He's has been, been very good. And the other thing, too, like I mentioned, bullpen was hard to pick because, like, Liam Hendricks, Josh Hader, Nestor Cortez, they're all off the board if you close off my team. And those are three of probably – close off my team, you have Jordan Romano, Romano Edwin, Edwin Diaz. Diaz. Emmanuel Classe, oh, like you have a lot of the very good elite bullpen options on Archie. just a couple teams. Pretty good. So matchup preview, finally getting down to this portion of the podcast. Thing to watch for, guys. My thing to watch for is an over-under of five and a half trades total for the rest of the season. I think the sellers are pretty much all set. So I'd be surprised if we saw more than five total mm-hmm. trades go through for the rest of the fantasy season at this point. Trade deadline, I believe, is Saturday, July 30th at noon. Is that your birthday? Of course it is. You better know my birthday. Dude, I always confuse yours and Aunt Gemma's, whose is the 31st. It's my birthday. Nick doesn't even know my birthday, but that's 12 days away. It's less than two weeks away. So I'm thinking less than, or I should say, not more than five total trades rest of the way, including deadline day. But we will see. What is your thing to watch for, uh, Nick, this week? I put the home run derby, uh, not just for the fun of it, and it starts here in one minute. Uh, but I put the home run derby because sometimes I can put hitters that are participating in a funk with their swing. So who's, gonna, who's that going to negatively affect of the eight participants? And will it help any of the batters that are participating i'm thinking of like some guys of mine like kyle schwarber who's gone on a little cold streak and ronald acuna who i think has been very meh for this season is it going to help those guys out find their find their stroke uh is it going to hinder anybody that has been doing pretty well uh, so far this season mike what's your thing to watch for this weekend or just second half of the season Whatever your heart desires. I'm just looking forward to see if my son comes back and forms. Fernando, Fernando Tatis. Tatis. Sam better hope because Austin Riley has certainly performed since you guys made that trade. Matchup predictions. Uh, my record stayed roughly the same. It's now 26 and 28. Jake improved his record to 36 and 24. We got a double tap for the guests this week. We're, you guys are I guess the collective body of guests are 44 and 22 on the season for matchup predictions. The first matchup of the week is a good one. Freedom All-Stars versus Jake's fantasy baseball team. Mike, who do you have in this pretty stacked matchup? I already said that it's you three and nobody else, so I'm picking Nick. I'm going to go on the other side. I have Jake pulling off the upset, the minor upset here, because he does still have a good team and winning this matchup. Nick, break the tie for us in your own matchup. Oh, man. Who to pick? 
picking the Freedom All-Stars. And I knew you'd pick against my team. So I definitely have to pick my team. Second matchup of the week is a dud in comparison. Ass in the jackpot versus the NFTs. Guys, I got Brendan winning this matchup after JC put up such a flat performance last week. Nick, who do you have winning this one? I also have Brendan. Ass in the jackpot. Another victory. I got Brendan too. It looks like he still wanted to compete. And that last move that uh, JC did, it looks like he's trying to sell. So I'm picking Brendan. Third match of the week, Team No Name versus weak pullout hitter Mike. Who do you got in this one? I got Sam. After riding the Scott hype train early in the episode, you're taking Sam. Nick, what about you? Definitely Sam. I'm not sure what pitchers Scott has left. Um, I like Scott's young guys as young keepers, but not enough to beat Sam's team. I'm in agreement there. Picking Sam. Fourth matchup of the week, Big Money Mike himself versus Team Positivity. Nick, who do you got in this matchup? You know, I really wanted to pick your team, Mike, but you still have guys on the IL on your starting roster. So I have to pick well, Jeremy's team. You know what? It's not too late, though. Yeah, you have, you have until Thursday <laughs> to night. Take to take Drop his ass. Yeah, it's not too late. I'm picking team positivity like Nick. So, Mike, let us know if you have a vote of confidence in your I'm gonna own put, team. I'm going to put a uh, W on that uh, guest uh, record, and I'm going to pick my team. There you go. All right. Well, you guys are going to even out, if no matter what the result of that matchup <laughs> Fair is. Enough. Fair enough. <laughs> For, uh, fifth matchup of the week, we have my son Jordan versus Gone Forever. Mike, who you taking in this matchup? Jordan. Nick? I have to take Jordan. Jordan, stop taking all that shit from me. Fuck up. Talk back. Get <laughs> some back talk. Let's go, dude. He is talking some mad smack, which he has earned, but you need to try to gear up and try to win the West. I'm picking Jordan here. I'm also taking my son in this matchup. He had a tough week. Eddie had a great week, but uh, I think Jordan bounces back here. In the final match for the week, this is another good one. Demons in the infield versus Team C. Deemer. Another injuries versus Deemer matchup. Mike, who do you have in this one? Your team's been on fire. And it's hard to pick against that right now. Um, pitching rotation's good. Mike, do you really have to think about this matchup? No, I just want the hesitation. <laughs> I'm picking Nate. Uh, I'm picking Nate, you bastard. <laughs> I just wanted to build it up. A this team bit. is really good. I got to pick Nate. Of course you guys got to pick me. I'm also picking my team. We ain't losing these last three weeks heading into the playoffs. Around the league portion of the podcast, we actually do not have a league history fact of the week. We decided to give Jake the week off, and I did not feel like navigating – the document uh, well, myself. It's one of my favorite spots in the uh, in the podcast. I, I do that. like it too. But instead of that, we're actually going to do a bonus segment. Yes. So one more bonus segment. Think of it as a main segment. But this is going to be a little bit more quick hitting. We're going to do our top ten player rankings for the second half. And this one is not going to be together. It's going to be each of our individual top ten player rankings on board with us, Mike. for the second half of the season. Let's just go in reverse order and we're going to go each of our number 10 so my oh, my oh. number 10 player for the second half of the season is paul goldschmidt first baseman for the st louis cardinals mike who do you have at number 10 right now uh shane mcclanahan wow Yo, putting put him some back on his name. Like, i am i'm gonna kick you out of my garage shane mcclanahan at 10 <laughs> nick you got oh, thank 10. you top 10 that's pretty good 
uh, I have to give one of my guys a nod of confidence. And I was trying to decide between Ronald Acuna and Mike Trout. And I went with Acuna and I left Trout out. I had Goldschmidt as an honorable mention, but uh, as my number 10 guy, I put Acuna. Wow. <clears throat> you must not be putting weight on the first half of the season because Acuna has stunk these last yeah, I agree. 30 been, days or so. What do you mean? I've been texting you all the time that Acuna has been a player. <laughs> somebody somebody thanks, come thanks make a trade offer. Well, no, no. I need a right fielder. That's trade okay. Him, because, uh, uh, no, I know Cruz has been a bum. Yeah, well, Otani, I'll take that. Yeah, he's good. He's good. All right, coming in at number nine, I have another first baseman. Freddie Freeman is my number nine player for the second half of the baseball season. Nick, who do you got at number nine? Freddie was another honorable mention of mine. Was, he was hard to leave off. And I put a guy that I don't even like as number nine, but I couldn't leave him off. I put actually number nine probably a knock on him because he probably should be higher but i put garrett cole okay garrett cole is nick's number nine mike who do you got at number nine shohei otani shohei so i love shohei otani for baseball i think i'm lower than him on than everybody else for fantasy no you're not because fantasy does not reflect his actual value right i'm right there with you i could not put shohei on here because fantasy he's the only player that his value in real life does not match his value in fantasy. And it's, it's true, us. but you can comfortably well, store him at utility and you can comfortably store him. Yes. And that's very valuable. Yeah. But it's not, it's, it's not, it's not, and he's a very valuable player. He performs. Hey, we're, we're all in agreement. He's a great yes. player. He's just not top 10 for fantasy. That's true. Number eight for my second half rankings, I got Corbin Burns, starting pitcher for the Milwaukee Brewers. Mike, who's your number eight? I have Garrett Cole. Garrett Cole. So you guys are both pretty low on Garrett Cole for the second half. Nick, who's your number eight? I actually left Corbin Burns off. Oh. Uh, I know. That's a big surprise. And in his stead, I put Dylan Cease. He has been absolutely crushing it. Um, I don't have his stats up of what he's done over the past 30 to 45 days, but he has – you can just sum it up in this, and I said it earlier. He has been the number one overall fantasy player the last 30 days. Uh, Jaron should be excited about Dylan Cease. I think he's a great player. I put him number eight. Number seven, I've got Mookie Betts. And I really love the triple eligibility for Mookie Betts. Second base, center field, right field. He's my number seven player for the second half of the season. Nick, who's your number seven? I like how different we're all, we are. I put a veteran, Justin Verlander. Not said. <laughs> Mike, who's your number this seven? This is going to shock the world. <laughs> O'Neal <Jerry>, Cruz. <laughs> Jerry, appreciate it, man. Jacob DeGrom. There you go. That's a bold pick, and I kind of dig it. Yeah, that's a good pick. dig it. My number six, I actually didn't even think about DeGrom. That's a, that's a really good pick. Number six for me is Aaron Judge, center field, wow, right field. He's eligible. been on a slump. I still have a lot of faith in him. I think he's going to turn it up to try to, I don't know, he's not going to break Bonds' home run record, but I think he's going to try to chase 60. That's good. And I think that that's going to kind of ignite his, his uh, fantasy performance. So number six for me, Aaron Judge. Nick, who's your number six? I put my man, Shane McClanahan. I would love to put him higher. Uh, just, just some questions about innings he'll pitch being a younger guy. But I think they really need him as a staff base to continue to pitch deep into games for the Tampa Bay Rays. Uh, I think six is a good spot for him. I might have to let my dog have me in here just so he doesn't keep crying at the door, if you don't mind, if I make a little bit of noise here before you make your – Number six selection. Number six is Trey Turner. Number six, Trey Turner for Mike. Yep. Anything to add? Just that he's number six? Yep. I'll add a little bit more. Sorry, everyone. 
Nick's dog really wanted to get in here. Yeah. Number five for me is the guy that's probably the story of baseball right now. That's Juan Soto, right fielder for the Nationals. He's he's top five player for me for the second half. How about you, Nick? Number five, man. Uh, I actually wanted to give a nod of confidence to one of Jordan's guys, and I put Rafael Devers here. Interesting. He's been doing really well. I think he's batting over 330, 340. He's crushing it. He's on a good, a pretty good offense. I think he's going to continue to, to trend upward. So I put Rafael Devers here, number five. Mike, starting off your top five. Freddie Freeman. You're having that high, huh? He's a dog. Freddie Freeman at number five for Mike. My number four, I guess I'm the highest man in the room on him. Garrett Cole is number four for me. Nick, who do you got at number four? Number four, I have your guy, Jose Ramirez. Mike? I'm just, this is a tough one between these pitchers here. Um, sorry, guys. Sandy Alcantara. Sandy Alcantara at number four. <clears throat> number three, we're just one off, Nick. I had Jose Ramirez at number three. I have uh, Max Scherzer at number three. And I just sighed because I don't have Sandy on my list. And I no love, way. What? And I love Sandy. No way. I think that was just a mistake that I overlooked him. I kind of want to slot him. Pick. I kind of want to slot him instead of uh, Rafael Devers, but I'm just going to leave it as is. But I put Max Scherzer at number three. How about you, Mike? Jose Ramirez at three. All right. So Mike and I finally line up on one. Number two for me, I guess I'm also the high man on the high man in the room. Shane McClanahan is my number two. Thank you for the rest of the season. Mike, we're gonna go to you. Who's your number two? Juan Soto. I'm so surprised that you're doing this completely off the cuff. You're not looking at any sheet of paper. (laughs) You're not looking at a computer. You got it all up there. Juan Soto. Juan Soto is Mike's number two. Nick, who's your number two? I put Trey Turner. Trey Turner, wow. Okay. He's been on a hot streak, and uh, I think he's just going to continue to hit. Number one, I guess I had to balance out for Nick hating on him or at least not showing him love. Sandy Alcantara is my number one player in fantasy for the second half. He's shown no reason to not replicate exactly what he is doing right now. I think he's only going to continue, and there are zero volume concerns to Sandy Alcantara. So he's my number one player in fantasy baseball. Nick, what about you? Juan Soto. I think Juan Soto researched himself as the number one guy. He's already starting to do it. I think he's going to continue. All right, Mike, let's hear your splash pick at number one. You got a smirk on your face. It's my son, Fernando Tatis. No, no, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Vladimir Guerrero Jr. Man, I'm I'm pretty surprised too. I think he's going to pop off. I hope so. I like him a lot. Vlad is my number one guy. Now, Mike, is your memory so locked in that you remember the exact order of your top ten? Because I did not. Uh, Shane McClanahan was ten, nine, no, no. Okay, but I popped it off. Well, I'll give, I, Nick I know, and I will give you our top ten. I know you have it written, so I, I can definitely give my ex- explanation once we're done. We don't have it written. But. We don't. We don't. Have it written. <laughs> That's fair. My number ten is Paul Goldschmidt. Number nine, Freddie Freeman. Number eight, Corbin Burns. Seven, Mookie Betts. Six, Aaron Judge. Five, Juan Soto. Four, Garrett Cole. Three, Jose Ramirez. Two, Shane McClanahan, and one, Sandy Alcantara. I'm going to change mine up. 
I'm going to bump my guy, Acuna, out. I'm going to put Alcantara in there. I'm going to go like this. Number 10, Garrett Cole. Number 9, Dylan Cease. Number 8, Justin Verlander. Number 7, Shane McClanahan. Number 6, I'm actually taking out Devers. Uh, number 6, I'm putting Alcantara. Number 5, Ramirez. Dang, I feel like I messed up there. I took sure two guys out. Yeah. <laughs> Did I take two guys out? You took out Devers and... Acuna. Okay, leave Devers in there. <laughs> <laughs> okay. I'm putting Devers at six, Alcantara at five, Ramirez at four, Scherzer three, Turner two, Soto one. There you go. News and notes, guys. We're, we got some brewskis going. So if the episode is unorthodox, you hear some background noise. We're a little bit disconfigured for the Fantasy All-Stars draft. Just because we're having a good time, we've probably got six or seven empty bottles around the table here. By Mike. <laughs> Yo, I'm, I'm right there with you. I'm but kidding. we're going to end the episode, as always, with some news and notes. First piece of news, Luis Severino, he's a guy on your team, Mike. He yeah. left his scheduled start with right shoulder tightness, and he had an MRI which revealed a low-grade lat strain. Obviously, this is a guy with a lengthy injury history. How confident are we that Luis Severino ever eclipses 200 innings pitched in a season again in his career? Zero confidence. Mike, what about you? I'm like 50-50 right there. You know, he was out for a good amount of time before this year. But again, you know, he's hurt again. Mike, I would say I'm more like 30% confident. Luckily enough, I have a good amount of keepers that, you know, I don't trust them then I'm not too worried about it. AJ Preller says, Mike, your son, Fernando Tatis Jr., will be, he began his hitting progression on Friday. What are your expectations for Tatis when he makes his season debut? You know, is he a top five shortstop, would you say, Nick? Uh, he better be. Would you say top three shortstop? No. Okay, Mike, top five shortstop, would you expect for Tatis? I think that's definitely his like four right now. What about top three? Is that an, would you say that's an expectation? No. Okay, so you guys are both in agreement. You expect top five, but probably not top three coming right off the injury. No. Chris Sale broke his pinky on his throwing hand after being hit with a comebacker in his just his second start of the season at the major league level. Obviously, this is bad luck, but I think personally that I am done with Chris Sale, bad luck or not, in fantasy. Where are you guys at with him, Nick? I know you have a share of him in another league. What do you think? Yeah, I think if this was something that just got hurt pitching and it had nothing to do with luck with him getting come back on the hand, I'd be done with him. But I, I have to continue to ride with him. I don't think he can be done with him just yet, um, just because of the nature of the injury of how it happened. Mike, are you ever going to acquire a share of Chris Sale in fantasy again? I mean, if the offer is like presented for me, but I'm definitely not like over paying for him in a trade. And I'm not going to overdraft him. So you're not targeting him, in other words. How can you right now? Yeah, right. I just mean in future seasons. I would say like he's not going to get kept if he if he was in the twentieth round in our next year's draft. Well, he better get kept because Eddie just traded Max Scherzer for him. Fair point. And Corey Seager. Fair point. But uh, I will add, actually, I do typically trade for players when they're hurt. That's one of my mos. Yeah, in Dynasty, yeah. Yeah, in Dynasty. The last piece of news, don't think that we overlooked it. 
It's the biggest piece of news that's come out. Like I said, he's the story of baseball right now. The Washington Nationals are going to start entertaining trade offers for Juan Soto after he rejected a 15-year, $440 million contract offer. That would have made for the largest total value contract offer in, I believe, American sports history. Actually, Patrick Mahomes, I guess, with incentives. But that definitely the, be- the biggest baseball contract in history. First of all, I want to know what you guys think. Was Juan Soto right to decline this offer? Mike, what do you think? Yes. He's the face of baseball right now. Okay. What about you, Nick? I agree. I think he was right to decline this offer. By the time this offer kicks in, like, what is it? Average less than $30 million a year. 29 Which is less than what a lot of players are making, a lot of the top players are making right now on a per-year basis. He should seek for probably – 40 million a year on average for his contract, whatever the length is. And he is the face of baseball. He's 23. He can wait. I'll add more. And the the Washington Nationals suck. Yeah. (laughs) Like I'll add more context, kind of like how you said, like he is the face. He's young. Nationals suck. But again, like he signs this long term contract. I don't think the Nationals are ever going to be a World Series contender. And, you know, are you going to go down that? path of Mike Trout again you know you're gonna stay on the same team never win a title because you know the Angels are at the same boat so win some titles for real all right so what do you guys think is the total dollar amount that he will sign for so Nick you said 40 million a year do you think 13 years 520 million sounds about right what do you think Mike what do you think is the total I personally I think he's not considering a contract offer that's not 500 million plus. And I think the 40 million a year sounds right. So I'm guessing that if both of those things mesh, it's going to look like 13, 520. What do you think that the total dollar amount is going to actually end up at? The end contract? Yeah. Like years and everything? 10 year, 500 million. You think he's going to get 50 million a year? I think we're going to see another Mahomes contract for that's him. a lot. I think he'd have to get more than 10. I think the teams would want him for more than 10 years if they're paying out 500 million. But I do think I know that baseball get. contracts are typically longer than NFL. And yeah. Mahomes is the outlier in the NFL. But Juan Soto is also the outlier in MLB. Good point. All right. So the biggest, the million dollar question, or I guess the $500 million question is which team is going to trade for him and, and sign him to that contract? Mike, what do you think? I don't want to be biased because I'm a Dodgers fan, but they're the only team that I can see. They're the only team that does these kind of like things. I think it's going to be the Pirates. <laughs> <laughs> I just see so you think it's going to be the Dodgers. They're just the only team that's able to sign and trade and like long-term contract these guys. Like you mentioned in that one group message, I don't know which one it was, but like David Price, that's a big contract. Like dump that off. Um, Bauer, Trevor Bauer, I mean, yeah, they're going to have to pay for it. But, like, still, they're the only team that is able to, like, consistently do these things. So, yes, I think Dodgers Dodgers. Nick, what do you think? I'm going to say the St. Louis Cardinals. Really? Yeah. I think they have a lot in their minor league system to make a trade for him. I could also see the Padres. And a lot of young guys, too. Think of, like – Nolan Gorman, no. Juan Yepes, Matthew Lepitor. I know these aren't like big name fantasy guys. I think that they would have to trade Tommy Edmond at, 
as a trade as, as a starting piece to get Tommy Evan, Matthew Libertor. The problem is, is add, add one or two more pieces. Do the Cardinals no, have like pros- more? <laughs> do the Cardinals have the prospects set like the Dodgers do? That's the thing. I, who do the Dodgers have besides Miguel Vargas? They have Diego Diego Cartaya. Yeah, Bush, Pages. Yeah, they have a lot. And they have the money. Andy Pages, Edis Leonard, Michael Bush. They have pro- they have like Gavin, four or five guys. Gavin Stone. Trey Gavin. Gavin. Yes, I see, like the the Cardinals have guys up at the major league level, like starting to produce right now. Dodgers have all these question marks about guys that okay, their names in the fantasy you know who, baseball prospect world, but are they actually going to be good ball players? It's you know, hit or miss. Like, you know, sure. as a dynasty fantasy baseball player, these are lottery tickets. You know who the Especially Cardinals – Especially the further away they are, the bigger – like, the less chance you have at hitting on them. You know who the Cardinals could trade that I think still has value, but I could see him being disposable to them? Jack Flaherty. Yeah, I thought about that too. That could be a big piece for a one Soto deal. I think the Padres. I mean, I don't That's know how they're saying. gonna. I don't think. I don't know how they're gonna come up with the money to sign him when they have six hundred thirty million dollars committed to Tatis and Machado. And I think. I mean, Hosmer's contract is running out. I think he has what two more years after this year, but it's still like twenty or twenty-five million per. So that's still a chunk of money. So who I don't want to trade Abrams. They're gonna trade. They probably have to trade Abrams, Hassel, Mackenzie Gore. That's a big trade. Yeah, it is. I mean. This is gonna if Juan Soto, right. I should say, when Juan Soto gets traded, it has Do to be have the that big, much power because they it has MLB, to be the biggest trade yeah, in MLB, MLB teams, history. No, Juan Soto does not want to stay there. The Nationals are not going to benefit at all if they don't trade him. Still, that's, has, that's, still has to be the biggest all, trade in MLB history. What he has just said, Hassel, Abrams, and who's the other guy? Kenzie Gore. That's a hard – if you're wanting to start young, that's a hard offer to project. Those three plus Trent Grisham gets the deal done today. You think so? I think so. Today. Maybe. That's a center fielder and three of MLB Pipeline's top prospects. You know what I mean? Like, I think that deal gets done today. I don't know if the Padres do that, but I, I think that that would get that's the deal done the Padres today. have to or they think like, – These would, other teams that the think have more power. It, that's the offer to Gore, do it. Abrams, Hassel, Grisham. And if you don't want Grisham throwing Do the Padres have money to throw at him? If you can't trade picks in MLB. That's right. That's only right. Uh, competitive Do the Padres picks. have a good load of money to throw at him if you hit free agency? That's the problem. They That's have, what I'm saying. They have why would $630 they throw, million. Yeah, so why would they throw out Darvish? all their young guys when they have money to spend? And if he does hit free agency, they could be – the team that lands them because they do have money to spend. So they're probably hoping like, yeah, we'll throw well, out an offer, an enticing offer, but we're not going to throw the kitchen sink at them because if he does hit free agency, we have a good chance at landing. you got to think too, you Darvish, yes, he's had a great year. He's kind of looking back like to his old Cy Young year, but he's what, 35, 36? What that's about con- him? Yeah, what about That's him? a contract. Nationals you, don't want him. But that's – no, you don't have to trade him. That's a contract you can dump and, like, trade him away. Yeah, we're saying that they have plenty of money to buy. So well, if no, I'm saying it. the opposite. They have $650 million roughly committed to Machado and Tatis. I don't so know you're if gonna they have – going to have to dump one. I don't know if they have another $500 million to sign a, oh. a Soto. See, I don't follow all that stuff. But here's what you're saying that they do have money. No, I, I, don't, I don't believe that they do. I think that that would be their biggest problem. They have the farm. I don't know if they have the money. The thing is with the Padres, you're mentioning like they could just wait two and a half years and then sign them. I think that the the case with Soto is that whatever team is going to trade for him is going to be the team that signs him to the 
twelve-year deal. Talk about these teams: the Padres, the Cardinals, probably gonna be the Yankees. Yankees. Yeah, <laughs> they might not sign Aaron Judge, and well, if that's, they don't, that's if, the, if they don't sign Judge, they can I just bring in Soto. Soto. Yeah, if they don't sign Judge, then they that have all the, the big, money that they need for Soto. That's a big question. Like, okay, obviously, if Soto goes to the Yankees, Judge is out. Yeah. And see a judge taking some, and yeah. he's a left-handed hitter, and their right field is the shortest right field in baseball. That would be the best landing spot for Juan Soto. Everybody in the group message once this podcast goes out, everybody text who's where's Juan Soto going. We could say that, but every time that people in the podcast say, "Hey, everybody in the group text, go ahead, give us your reply, give us your idea," nobody replies. Dude, I was sitting in Nick's truck listening to the I podcast. I was listening to the podcast with Nick last week in his truck as we were riding together, and the part came up where I said, let us know how we did in the keeper draft. Let us know who did the best. Zero. Nick was sitting next to me, and he didn't even tell me who did the best. Actually, I, liked, I didn't tell you who did the best because I didn't think you'd like my answer. Who do you think did the best, JC? Well, I would, I would uh, take JC's side if I was competing next year. Because he took the best players. Yeah. But he didn't take like – He didn't take it. He, 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 he has exactly why I didn't tell him because he had, turned into a debate. Well, no, him. he just had the least amount of discount. True. That's why it's like pick, I like pick, what, choices. pick what you like. I did. But there you go, JC. Nobody answered except for Nick. He liked no. your draft the best. Nobody else is yeah. – Whoa, whoa, whoa. After the That's draft, the, you and I were in the car. We were debating about who drafted good and who didn't draft The keeper good. draft. Yeah. Remember this anyway. You came here, I picked you up, I dropped you off. All that to say, more people in the league need to make their opinion known. I think we need to bring on Courtney and Scott to the podcast. Oh, that would be and nice. Eddie. Let's just have those three do their own episode, not would, me and Jake, not included. I would like Camels to watch that podcast. All right, well, that wraps up the episode, boys. Anything to share with the league? I think this is probably going to be both of your last times coming on the podcast this year, unless Nick, you make. Oh. Unless you make a championship appearance, this is definitely Mike's last appearance on the podcast this year. Yeah. Mike, anything to share with the people? Um, good luck to everybody that's competing. I wish I was there. Unfortunately, it was just a bad season. You know, things happen, but I'll definitely be right back next year and competing with the two of you guys that I'm sitting next to. And again, thanks for having me. Um, good luck to everybody. And um, Pablo Lopez is still on the board. Corey Kluber talks are heating up. <laughs> Nick, anything to Brandon share? Brandon Nemo's with, out there too. Anything to share with the people? Before, you know, before you take a hiatus until your planned last visit on the podcast as a championship finalist. No, not really. Jordan, stand up to Nate. Somebody has to in the West. And uh, looking forward to the end of the season and the postseason. Uh, we will be on, I believe, next week. I want to say with Jerwin. But definitely me and Jake will be back on, uh, I guess, until the next episode. We will uh, catch you later. Eee.